Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode number 166. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, Kevin Rickstraw. How you doing, Kevin? Doing, I'm doing uh, pretty good. Doing some of uh, the old Mother's Day stuff? Sure. Mom's Day stuff? Sure. I was like, hey, Ma, happy Mother's Day. Cool. And that was the cool. extent of it, so... My girlfriend's mom is visiting from Florida. We're going to go see Book of Mormon today. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So, it's uh, pretty exciting. You be a cultured. Doing a little Broadway thing. Oh, you man. Know. Such a tourist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, sometimes it's fun to do touristy things, you know? Probably, yeah. Sure. Why not? Sometimes it's annoying, and sometimes it's fun. Uh, This week on the show, we'll be talking about the Arnold Schwarzenegger starring zombie film Maggie, which is currently available in select cities and on VOD. And we'll also be talking about the Kristen Wiig starring comedy Welcome to Me, which just expanded into more theaters this week, so it very well may be playing in your area. We're also going to be going over some of what we've been watching, as well as this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Remember, so you can send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net, and be sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmpulse, and help support the show. We appreciate that so very much. Let's uh, go ahead and just dive right in to this Let's week's reviews. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just get we're, into it. We're going to talk about, uh, we'll talk about Maggie. All right. First, That's, just because I mentioned it first. Yeah. Uh, no real reason behind picking that one first. Oh, let's do it. It's the newer of the two. You're damn right. So, this is directed by Henry Hobson. I have a synopsis here. A teenage girl in the Midwest becomes infected by an outbreak of a disease that slowly turns the effect infected into cannibalistic zombies. During her transformation, her loving father stays by her side. As I mentioned, this stars Arnold Schwarzenegger as well as Abigail Breslin and uh, Julie Richardson. Now, Kevin, I, I have a review for this up on the site. I saw this at Tribeca just a few weeks ago, actually. Uh, so, Kevin, we'll start with you. What did you think of Maggie? Oh, man. Maggie. This is this is an odd one mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, I like the idea, mm-hmm. like what you're going for. Mm-hmm. And the execution can't say is all that bad. It's just there's nothing here. Mm-hmm. It's like a short mm-hmm. film just <clears throat> drawn out for 95 minutes. Yeah. It's just the same thing over and over again. I had a really this... hard time writing a review for this one because I, I didn't mind what I saw. I thought it was a unique film. It was a, a different take on the zombie movie in that it's not really a zombie movie at all. No. And it's a definite departure from Arnold, and I thought that he did a surprisingly good job. I thought I mean I thought he did pretty well as as far as his character goes, but he like his character doesn't really do anything. He just kind of thought... looks looks at things, walks yeah, around. But, re- but his requ- his character requires such a higher emotional range than He did his I, I have to say he did a good job with the crime. 
Yeah, he, he like sold normally, me, he sold me on crying. Looking at other characters that he typically does, it's usually like a guy that's angry. Yeah, he's a guy that's pissed off about something. But it's and he's gonna kill. But it's still just very bizarre that you know this takes place in the Midwest, and he's like a farmer, and then he opens his mouth, and you hear his right. voice, and you're just the Austrian like, nope. accent. Uh, uh-uh. sorry. Nope. And what's his what's his name? His name's Wade. 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 The, yeah, his name's Wade. <laughs> just every time he opens his really mouth, match. I'm like, uh, no, no, this isn't working. You're Arnold. You're just Arnold. That's all. Like, he, all of his characters are just Arnold. Right. There's yeah, <laughs> just varying degrees of Arnold. But again, I appreciate what they were going for with this. I mean, there's very little action. There is some action in it. There's not. Which I, I wouldn't it, it, call it a horror movie. No, because and the the action that they do put in, it felt extremely forced. Like while you're uh, driving back, and all of a sudden you're just like, oh, let's stop off at this store so I can look at sunglasses. Which just felt, felt like an excuse for like, oh, let's have him run into a zombie and he has to kill it. Well, I think they're trying to remind us that they are living in a world that is filled with danger yeah, at every turn. I, and that, that you could get attacked at any moment. I think they could have done a bit of a better job than like, hey, let's stop and look at sunglasses. Well, he, wasn't he getting gas? He was getting gas for the car. Was he? Yeah. <laughs> I don't see. The, that's the other thing that I want to come around to is that this is extremely forgettable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I barely remember anything from it. It's, it's just, yeah, it, it's, it, it's one note. It's just one note over and over again, which, okay, the Arnold stuff is good. And then like halfway through, we just, we leave Arnold. We just completely yeah, abandoned him for that like was, 20, 25 minutes. Right. And that was a big problem I had with it because the synopsis and all of the, the, materials lead you to believe that this is a story about you know a father coming to terms with uh his this disease that his daughter has and spending her last moments like with her and nurturing her and all of this and and how he's coming to terms with that yeah and this is really that he's forced to make you know like you know that's 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 what the end point's going to be and you're kind of wondering you know what what is he going to decide what actually yes. happens when they go into quarantine. And I, and I thought all of that was effective, but they do take kind of a detour, and for a while they focus on Abigail Breslin's character and how she's dealing with it and her meeting up with some of her friends from the past, and one of one of her friends is also infected. And when they go down that road, uh, it was far less interesting And the, the worst part about it is they were doing such a good job of just... Just showing, not telling. You know, you do, mm-hmm. we know right off the bat what the point, what you're trying to say, what you're going for, and then all of a sudden it takes this detour where they're, you know, at a bonfire, and you have the 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 love interest, I guess, who's also turning that has yeah, to that, essentially mm-hmm. just comes out and says everything that the film's about, which is completely unnecessary. You know, he has to come out and he spits it out as. Yeah, what would you do if if you were turning? What would you do? What would your parent? What would you want your parents to do? And it's just like, yeah, I know that's what you're going for. You don't have to tell me. Yeah. Can we get back to Arnold? Yep. And then they yep. and then that, they, and then was... they come back to him, and it's just like you know they keep doing the same thing. It's like I okay, I get it. I know he's I having a they... tough time with it, but come on. Yeah, I think if they took out the whole thing with her meeting her best friend and and her 
that that guy that was infected, I guess, was her ex-boyfriend. If they took all that stuff out, and then the subsequent kind of subplot that occurs with that kid and what happens to him as he gets further along in the infection, I don't think we needed that because I think that we could all kind of know how this is going to go. You know, we don't need to see what the end result is going to be for Abigail Breslin because I think that we've all seen as an audience, we've seen enough well, you already zombie movies to know where it's going to go. And you already know, uh, you already have a little bit of an idea what's going to happen with the the family before that, that they sort of come across in the woods. Right. You know, everything that happened there. And it just, yeah. it feels like you're repeating yourself. Exactly. But it's yeah. thrown I, in for like a love interest type thing. Yeah, I forgot about the family in the woods thing. I did See, like and that. I, yeah, I, and I think thought that th- that was handled quite well. Because, again, you're doing more showing. You're not really telling. You're not just coming out and saying uh, this is what they're dealing with. You know, it yeah. was a good job of showing, like, the, the tough choices that they're faced with. But then you throw that all out the window <laughs> by just coming out and saying it later on, yeah, like the- 20 minutes later. That was definitely one of the issues I have at times, especially towards the beginning. It was very exposition heavy. Like the, some of the conversations the characters had with each other, it was clearly meant for yeah. us to, and, so we can understand what's going on in this world. And it didn't, for me, it didn't detract too much from the the no, overall experience just, I had with it. But it was noticeable. No, it was a bit of a rocky start because especially that the whole uh, the NPR. Like, his, right. you know, him yeah. listening to NPR, and that's kind of how they, they set up this world is what's happening. Yep. And that that it, uh, that was a bit rough to get through. Yeah. But again, yeah. like you said, it, did, it didn't detract greatly. No, no. And, and I understand that they had to try to do something because we were kind of just thrust into this world. It's not a movie where it's the beginning of the zombie apocalypse or anything like that. I mean, they're like years in at this point. Yeah. So I, I get that they had to try to do something to set up this world and set up the rules for this world, but uh, I don't know. I feel like they could have done something better or just like had us figure it out in a more natural way. Yeah, just streamlined it. Cause honestly, because honestly, that, that that whole bonfire sequence just just didn't work. Yeah, that... It almost feels like it doesn't even fit in this movie. Yeah, especially I mean, considering the way that you're marketing it. Exactly. Like, it's all about Arnold and his relationship with Abigail Breslin. Like, that's what it's all about. So, why do we take this unnecessary detour? Because you can still you can still develop her character and how she's dealing with being infected. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they did an effective job of that. Just, you know, with her being on her own and being more moody and just trying to figure it out and stuff like that. And, like, the whole um, the scene where she's on the swing... And and falls. Yeah, and then her in like, like felt... the, in the waiting room with the, mm-hmm. you know the the woman telling her kids to get away from her and everything. Yeah, like that that all was a really good way. Yeah, of it's, it's showing what she's going through being infected, yeah. and not just what you know Wade is going through. It's it's subtle and it's organic and it works. That's why I don't understand why they followed up with just exposition, just straight from people's mouths that yeah. weren't even in the movie <laughs> two minutes ago. All of a sudden, they just show up to explain things. Yeah. And like, I don't, a, I don't need you. I know what's going on. This isn't a complex it, movie. Yeah. It's a really, really odd movie. Like, it just the whole time I was watching it, I was just thinking, this is just so strange. I mean, it's a zombie movie, but it's not. 
it's this kind of like familial drama, but it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. and it, it's just so weird. And for me, at least, compounding the weirdness was the the visual aesthetic of this, which because it's Malick <laughs> is is very yeah, I mean, very Malick esque with the visuals. I mean, it all takes place in, in on a farm, and there's lots of uh, you know kind of bleak nature type visuals oh, all yeah. handheld a lot of handheld work going on positioned behind the actors oh yeah <laughs> following them through fields you got some staples in there some, yeah so it was some indie staples that, but I, yeah that's what i mean like it looks good i like the idea it's just i don't the execution yeah i don't, I don't know could have used a little more work Tight, how, how tightened you it up f- streamlined it and, Without really spoiling the end, what did you think of the conclusion? Did that work for you and how they ended it? It kind of worked, yeah. For the most part. It worked part. for me. Yeah. It worked for me, too. I mean, it didn't really, like, didn't have a huge impact, but it didn't It didn't really take me out of it in the sense that I was like, oh, my God, that's how you ended this? It's just like, now, oh, that's fine enough. Maybe it was because I, I saw this in a, in a theater environment and it was just more, I was like more invested into the or or engrossed in this world but there were a couple parts towards the end where i actually started feeling choked up over what was happening and i I was really surprised at that that i was actually able to that a movie like this was able to evoke uh any kind of real emotion from me and i thought that that, that, i was impressed by that yeah that's something yeah i didn't i I got a little it bit was, of towards the end, you know, with them. It was, yeah. There was one scene, and this kind of goes back to the forgetful, the forgetful nature of it, because I don't really even remember what specific scene it was, but <laughs> there was a scene towards the end where it was just uh, him and her, and they were just kind of, it was near getting towards the end, and we knew that it was like about, she, like the infection was about to just completely take over. Yeah. And it was like a really emotional scene. I don't know if it was just a, a <laughs> simple scene of them. Like I know it was a scene that both of them were crying, and it was just really, uh, it was really sad. I mean, I, I was surprised at how sad this movie well, went. Let's. I'll share something with you. The, the for how forgettable this movie is. I was thinking because I was going to say Arnold and Breslin's character, and I'm thinking. Oh, what was Abigail Breslin's character's name? <laughs> it's the fucking name of the movie. Matt. <laughs> I'm like, Wade uh, and... Oh, God, what is her name? <laughs> it's fucking Maggie. Uh, I don't know if that's a problem with the movie or, or, just, or just you. <laughs> I just, like, the only thing that sticks out to me in this movie is Arnold. Because he sticks out like a sore thumb. Every time he opens his mouth, you're just like, "What, Arnold? What the fuck are you doing here?" Mm-hmm. This is a movie. This is a Midwest movie about zombies with emotion. What are you doing? Why are you here? Yeah, I mean, I I think it could also be mentioned that Julie Richardson's in this and plays the stepmother, and uh, sh- so she's in it for a good bit too. They they kind of don't even mention her in any of the uh, trailers or anything, but. She's there yeah. for most of it. And there's and, an uh, and there's an interesting dynamic with her that I wish they would have explored a little bit more. I see I wish they would have went more with her instead of Maggie getting up with her friends. Yeah, it was be- interesting because I didn't even know they don't 
tell you right off the bat that that's not her mom. Yeah, that's what I mean. And like, you, you, you find out later that, and, and they, it's not like it's a big reveal or anything. It's just that it casually comes up, which they did a. I thought that they did a good job with that, and it did add kind of a a new layer to it. Yeah, because she, you know, she wants to be there for Maggie, but at the same time, it's not, it's not her kid. So it's easy for her to be just say, oh, let's throw her in quarantine. Let's just let's take care of this and move on because she's looking out for her own kids too mm-hmm. that are around her, which I thought was a more interesting dynamic. They didn't they didn't really go down and you know instead they go the the bonfire friend route. Let's make out in an abandoned school bus, I guess. <laughs> which apparently <laughs> yeah. in the fucking Midwest, there's just abandoned school, there's fucking school buses everywhere. They're all over the place. When people are done with school buses, they just throw <laughs> they them away. Just they just throw them in the they woods. They just put them in a field. It's like they plant them. Instead of planting a tree, they plant school buses for some reason. Yeah. Fucking Midwest. I think man. that's how it goes. All right. So um, I gave this, I believe, a five and a half in my original review. What are you going to score Maggie out of ten? I'm right there with you. I'm going to say five. You know, it's it's interesting. Um. I think it is worth a look, you know, it's worth a, a rental on VOD. I think that for a, I think that this is Henry Hobson's first movie. I think it's his directorial debut. I think you're correct. He worked as a uh, a title designer, so he did, like, movie titles Yeah. for a lot of other movies, but, uh, yeah. So this is his first movie. It's... Not a bad debut, I would say. No, not at all. So check it out. That's Maggie. It's available on VOD and playing in select cities right now. Let's move on and talk about Welcome to Me. Now, this is directed by Shira Piven. I have a synopsis here. When Alice Klieg wins the Mega Millions lottery, she immediately quits her psychiatric meds and buys her own talk show. This stars Kristen Wiig, James Marsden, Wes Bentley... Linda Cardellini, Joan Cusack, uh, J- Jennifer Jason Leigh, uh, Tim Robbins, Alan Tudyk. There's a lot of uh, people in this movie. There's a lot of people in this movie. So I'll start off with this one since you started the last one. I I liked this movie. I didn't love it. Yeah. Uh, I thought that it was moderately funny. It was There were more dramatic elements to it than I originally expected yeah i mean this is as much drama as it is comedy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. don't go into it expecting Kristen wieg being this like goofy eccentric you know quirky person like she's legitimately mentally ill and it's very sad at times yeah which may which is the problem that i have with this movie it's just very because sometimes it's it's you get the sense that they're trying to play it up for laughs Right. And you're just like, no, she's mentally ill. This is not funny. Yeah, she has, like, uh, I think early in the movie she mentions that she has a borderline personality disorder, and, like, originally she was diagnosed as being manic-depressive. Yeah, which, it's that stuff's not funny. It's not. Right. And sometimes, sometimes the movie does play it up for laughs, and I think that sometimes she acts a little uh, goofy. Like, she kind of, not just make fun of mental illness but it's not believable you know she's it at times feels like she's being an snl character yeah 
And then at other times when it gets more serious, then you're just like, oh, ooh. You know, especially towards the end as things come to a head. Yeah, which I know people with borderline personality disorder. And this is not what it looks like. I tell you that. But I did. Mm. I learned something interesting with this movie that uh, Kristen Wiig uh, lives in Lancaster for a while. Oh, really? Which I had no idea. Apparently, she lived here for like six, seven years hmm. when she was younger. So I learned that. That was kind of cool, I guess. But I had yeah. I had trouble with this one. It just it felt it felt wrong to me. I thought just... that it start for me. It started off uh, okay, but it just didn't really. It didn't really go anywhere for me. It, it felt, um, I don't know if one note is the right word, but it just, uh, it didn't quite gel with me. No, and for me, number one, the way that they deal with mental illness, it's just, it didn't sit well with me. And then to make it even worse is, you know, they kind of excuse it by like, hey, let's have her win the lottery and then she gets to do whatever she wants. I think maybe it would have worked better if they didn't flat out say that she was mentally ill and if they just kept that kind of uh, ambiguous and didn't make that kind of one of the focal points of the movie. Yeah. And and I know that that would probably result in the entire foundation of the movie falling apart. (laughs) But But if if they made the movie about just some goofy, weird girl making a TV show kind of... But then, uh, getting back at all the people that wronged her throughout her life. But then you would I at least the, get something towards the end there. If you, you know, if you do like a soft reveal type deal, you would at least have like, oh shit, let me rethink everything that I laughed at. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. What the hell? But it, since you know from the outset, you're just like this. No, this is a mentally ill person. This isn't funny. Yeah. And a lot of times uh, it felt sometimes a little skeezy as far as she has sex with several people throughout this movie and at times it's like wait a minute is that person like do they know that she's mentally ill and they're kind of like taking advantage of that or yeah you know there's just a lot of really kind of questionable things going on in this in this movie that could be misinterpreted i think or looked and it, looked at yeah. from from a different it, angle because then at some at certain points it seems like they they kind of go overboard with the the quirkiness or the whatever you want to call it. Like, ah, she's mentally ill and everything, but uh, she wears a fanny pack, right? <laughs> fanny packs. She lives, she like, lives. I thought that, I thought that a lot of the comedy did work though. I thought that it was, I, I like that she says carbohydrates. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird. She does a whole like Zach Alphanakis bit uh-huh. throughout the entire movie where she's just mispronouncing words for comedic effect. Which I did I th- chuckle at occasionally. One of the, well, one nothing, of the funniest uh, parts of that was the guy in the control room that always looked <laughs> looked at the other people every time she'd do it. Well, and the fact that he even questioned it. He's like, is it carbohydrates or carbohydrates? <laughs> yeah. It reminded me again that I wish Joan Cusack was in more things. She was great in this. I thought She's that she was one of the great. best parts. Why is she, she not was... in more movies? I mean, she just nails the whole... And how she just goes along with it. Yeah, you know, Jennifer Jason. She's not in it. At, you know, she's not into this idea from the outset. She just, she doesn't like it. She thinks it's wrong. Right. She's like, "What the hell are we doing? We're taking full advantage of this person who obviously has mental problems." But then, as the time, you know, as it kind of moves forward, they kind of her and Kristen Wiig sort of develop this 
relationship together and yeah where they have like conversations with each other from between the set and the control room and that was the other thing that i was a little confused about because it's it felt like they were trying to uh allude to this idea that james marsden's character as the i guess he was the owner of the tv studio or, or some i guess yeah uh, they were trying to allude to the fact that maybe he was uh, using her a little bit for the money, but I never really got that sense. He seemed like a decent guy, you know. Well, like, it, it seemed like from the outset that that's that's what he was going for. Like, hey, she has a shit ton of money. Let's do this so we can get her money. But you know, but he gave her but, everything yeah, that she exactly. wanted. That's what I mean. Like, okay, it's I not like he I screwed her. Yeah, I would have understood if you know the production values were like bottom level as can be right and he's and just like, breaking it in but yeah no and, he and actually he was like, put a lot of effort into her show yeah and, and especially when after the first episode she was like you know it doesn't look as doesn't look good enough the music needs to be better and then they did all that you know they obliged her by making the sets more elaborate and making the music more using an orchestra and stuff like that so i never got the idea the, the feeling that that James Marsden was trying to steal from her or screw her over in any way. And I think that that's one thing that that was supposed to be a question that was raised. And I don't know, that just maybe James Marsden's character was just too likable or something. Perhaps. Cause he didn't get, he didn't really give us a reason to not like him. Not really. Yeah. I mean, he seemed a bit sketchy at first, but like I said, you know, he gets into the show. I think if anybody was seemed sketchy to me, it was the uh, uh, student uh, Rainer. Oh yeah, played by Thomas. He seemed sketchy. Yeah, yeah. He he seemed like a sketchy dude to me. Yeah, because I think he was the only one that didn't <clears throat> that didn't realize that she was mentally ill. Yeah, he thought that this was all like a performance piece, which it kind of was, like kind of. Yeah, so not of. really. Sort of. I like when she's uh, when she has Wes Bentley over to her house and she asks if she goes, "Have you ever done it in a bag?" <laughs> oh, that was funny and weird. Uh, there's a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of like weird throwaway gags and things in there. When she's which... just listing the things that she wants to do, and one of them is call out people that are cunts. Mm-hmm. That was funny. <laughs> just throw that in there. And one little odd thing that I noticed is that there was a scene where. She was re reenacting a time in her life when she moved, I think, onto into her own place, and they showed the moving boxes. Almasks was just yeah. <laughs> one of them was just labeled owl masks. Like you have an entire box dedicated to owl masks. Uh, who doesn't? Uh, I like that. But but then I, and then they try and go down like towards the end of the movie. They try to really bring it home and try and get at your heartstrings when she's like calling in and talking about how she's so alone. And then for some, whatever reason she's walking naked through a casino. Yeah. And when she has her complete breakdown, yeah, it's just, that's when she just loses it completely because I guess, like, I, uh, she, I don't know. like, you've been making fun of her the, the entire time. And now all of a sudden you want me to feel for her. Yeah. It's definitely a one eighty that occurs when she has her little, psychotic break after Linda Cardellini plays her best friend who for probably half the movie I thought was her sister 
Yeah. <laughs> they didn't they didn't establish that. Like early on in the movie there's a, a scene where they're having dinner. They're all having dinner and like with her mom and dad and I I guess I just missed it if they mentioned it, but I thought that Linda Cardellini's character was her sister. That's what I thought. And it it took me a minute to figure out her her relationship with Alan Tudyk as well. I thought that he was supposed to be her brother. And then she makes one comment about them having sex. And I was like, oh, okay. That must be an ex-husband. Yeah. I wanted a little bit more from him, him too, because he... It's it's an interesting movie. Yeah, I mean, you have Alan Tudyk in there, and you're not really even using him. Then why you have Alan Tudyk in there? Yeah, like he was Come funny. On. He he was funny in that beginning with the the dinner scene, but he pretty much played on the periphery of the entire rest of the movie. Yeah, I like Tim Robbins as well as the uh, the psychiatrist. I never again. I felt like he was supposed to be creepy at first, but then realized that he wasn't. Like he was genuine, and I thought. I thought that after she won the lottery that he was going to try to do something to get a bunch of the money. Yeah. And he never did. <laughs> so basically, this entire movie, I was... You were just thinking people were going to be terrible, yeah, awful I, I was, people. And they weren't. <laughs> I was confused about the characters the entire time. No, it's just... I mean, the whole... Uh, the whole winning the lottery thing, it's just an excuse for her to have her show. And it kind of... Like, hey, it's, yeah. it's all right. You know, she's mentally ill and everything, but she, she's a millionaire. It's cool. Like, I mean, we, it, we it can almost seems, yeah, like it, it almost seems like it would have, they would have talked more about the money. Yeah. You know, it, than, I would, what would this movie been if she was borderline with no money? You know, yeah. where are you going to play it up for as much, as many laughs as you're doing here? No, because it's not funny. But, you know, give her $86 million, then everything's a fucking hoot. Ha <laughs> hmm. So it seems like this movie was really offensive to you. It kind of pissed me off a little bit, you know. I'm, I'm a bit pissed off. I, I, when I watched it, I was just kind of like, oh, this is... I don't know what the hell they're doing here. I don't know what they're going for. And I was just kind of like, oh, great, it's over. I can move on with my life. But now talking about it, it's, it's starting to irritate me a little bit. Because I'm, I'm just, I don't, stuff makes me uneasy. Like, ah, let's yeah. laugh at mentally ill people. Yeah, I mean, if you put any amount of thought into this movie, yeah, I think that, I think that it would make you uneasy. Again, just to reiterate the fact that the, it's the movie's fault for doing this. Because if they didn't mention the fact that she was, that she went off her meds and did have this mental illness... If they didn't mention that at all, uh, then uh, I don't. I think it would have played out completely differently. I, I mean, I think it's it's slightly slightly interesting in the sense that you don't see anyone <clears throat> outside of like Tim Robbins' character and maybe maybe her friend, you know, really pushing for her to get back on her meds. But they they don't really focus on that at all. Like, it's, you know, that she makes all this money and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, she has a show and she has money, so she's okay. She doesn't need to go back on her meds. But she clearly needs to go back on her meds. Yeah, and maybe that was intentional. Maybe it was, maybe that's what was making people act like dicks was the fact that they knew that she, there was something wrong with her, but they didn't care or, you know, didn't 
want to get involved because she was bringing so much money into the station and all that stuff. Maybe that, and maybe that's why Jennifer Jason Lee's character ultimately leaves because she doesn't think that what they're doing is right. Yeah, but she, but she seems to leave more because she just thinks the Alice is trash TV. Yeah. And that Alice is ridiculous and she just can't stand her. Yeah. That's well, that's the impression that I got as well. Yeah. But apparently I've just misread every character in this entire movie (laughs) from the very beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't have a lot more to say. It just, it didn't really work for me. I thought that it was, I laughed maybe, I laughed a good bit. I'd say maybe half a dozen times, maybe a dozen times. No, no serious laughter, maybe like three or four serious laughs. Yeah, I think, but, I, just, I, think my, I think I was just nothing but chortles. Yeah, yeah I think was, I had a I handful was a, of chortles in there. Yeah, I think it was mostly a chortle game for me, too. And it probably was mostly just because of uh, mispronouncing words, which always <laughs> always makes me chuckle, yeah. no matter what. You know, is it, is yeah, it mis- easy comedy? Yeah, it is, but it works for me. So, I think for the most part, it works for me, too. I thought that the character of Alice Klieg was a funny character. I mean, it was definitely something within Kristen Wiig's wheelhouse. That yeah, I think that oh, she, definitely. She does well. Uh, I just thought that the blending of the serious drama and goofball comedy didn't... It just didn't mix. It didn't work, I think, as it was intended. No. No, I don't think so. I would agree. It just felt... felt at odds with each with each other in the movie mm-hmm. itself, you know, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, she's just quirky, weird character, and laugh, laugh, laugh. It's so funny and odd and random. And then it's like, oh, feel bad for her. And it's like, wait, you as a movie don't even feel bad for her. Why are you asking me to? Yeah, that's true. Yep. All right, uh, what are you gonna give? Welcome to me out of ten. Oh man, this is a tough one. Let's say. A- Four. All right. Three, I'm gonna go like with three, four, three, four. I'm gonna go with a five on that one. All right. All right. Wasn't horrible. No. Yeah. I'm not gonna remember this by the end of the year. No, no, me neither. Like I was already trying to remember the jokes that I didn't write <laughs> down that I laughed at, and I couldn't. Remember well, it's funny. Anything. I'm just I'm trying to think of like the mispronounced words, and the only one I can think of is carbohydrates. Yeah, there was there were other There's ones. There's a couple other ones, but I don't, I don't remember what the hell they were. <laughs> but they made me chuckle, whatever they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's still like, wasn't there one point where she was talking about the dogs? She was she like started just speaking in an English accent for some reason. Could be. Or I don't know Could if be. that's true or if I just made that up. I don't remember that, but it's entirely possible. <laughs> Maybe I just made that up. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm trying to make something you, something you heard in your head. Who knows? I think everyone had English accents. Now that I think of it, <laughs> every single person that, except that Alan, kind of except Alan Tudyk. Oddly enough, that would be kind of funny if everyone, for no apparent reason, had English accents in this movie. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Uh, I didn't. We didn't mention Wes Bentley. I liked him too. I, I like pretty much everything Wes Bentley's in. It's Bentley, yeah. He seems to be popping up more and more. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on and talk about someone we've been watching. Uh, let's see. I'll start it off this week. I don't. I 
guessing that I can talk about it. I don't know if it's under embargo. Apologies if it is, but I saw Heaven Knows What. Oh, you just this, fucked over everything. This comes out. I'm, I think that I'm going to hold off on most of my comments about this because I am working on a review that'll be up, I think, next week. It comes out. I think it comes out on the 15th. Uh, so this is, it's directed by Ben and Joshua Safty, and it's based on the life of this, uh, this young girl in New York, her name's Ariel Holmes, and she was basically a, a homeless drug addict in New York, and the interesting thing about this movie is that it actually stars her, and she's playing herself, and it's based on her life. So it definitely straddles the line between documentary and narrative. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably one of the closest things to a movie like that. I've I've seen a few movies popping up uh, within the last couple of years that that have really tried to to blur the lines between reality and fiction. Yeah, and I think this one is this is the probably the. Yeah, this is the closest one. I mean, this movie did play at the True True False Film Festival, the documentary one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it played a slew of other film festivals, too. I don't know. I doubt that it was categorized as a documentary because um, Caleb Landry Jones is in it, and he's a fairly well-known actor. They did... I read that they wanted to get a a more established, well-versed actor for the part that he plays because it requires a lot of emotion and range and they really got to sell this character. So I can, I can understand why they wanted to get um, a professional actor for that one role. Yeah. All the rest of the people are non-professional actors. Oh, hold up. Except for Eleanor Hendricks. Oh yeah. Eleanor Hendricks is in there. They, they got a couple people. Necro is in there. I don't know if you want to. Do you, do you want to label Necro as a, is a like legit actor? I don't know. I don't know if he's been in other things, but, but we he's do. Necro. We, this is a year of where Necro's in a movie and Cage is in a movie. Yeah, it's very bizarre. And Necro does a really good job too. Uh, Eleanor Hendricks is barely in it at all. I, uh, I didn't okay. even I didn't even remember that she was in it. But for the most part, they used non-actors. It's a very small cast. I mean, most of what you see in this movie is her interacting with other street people and very. Uh, small interactions uh but at any rate i thought it was fantastic it will certainly go in my top 10 uh, a lot of people are comparing this to requiem for a dream yeah and i can kind of see the comparison where it is a drug movie and it is uh it's kind of f- the the soundtrack oh oh my goodness it's got this kind of EDM soundtrack, so it's got this like thumping dance music that that happens throughout, and it just it works on every level. I can see the comparisons to Requiem for a Dream, but the big difference is the the realism. I mean, this is a down and dirty, nasty, disgusting, realistic movie, and it. Uh, Whereas I think Requiem for a Dream sometimes sort of romanticizes a lot of the content in that movie just because a lot of it looks really good and pretty and the cinematography is so good. And this movie takes a very more, uh, a very grittier approach where it's just, it's yeah. just real and it's nasty. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, uh, plus, it's you a, know that this is a woman essentially reliving 
reliving the worst the worst year of her life Uh like her hitting rock bottom and she's reenacting it and that that's the that's the thing that really pushes this over the top is the fact that ariel holmes is playing herself in this movie and it's just oh my god you just you have to see it uh, I'm done gushing about it. I'm sure that we'll do a full review after you see it, so stay tuned yeah, for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this one. I have been for a while. And I was, then, like, I, I told you already, as soon as I saw you log it on Letterboxd, it's just, I just stared down my computer. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. you fucking dick. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think it's getting a VOD release. I think it's just hitting theaters. So if it does come out in your area, be sure to check it out. Again, it's called Heaven Knows What. I want it in my face as soon as possible. <laughs> I want it to happen in front of my face. I watched a movie from True False Film Festival or Film Fest, True False, whatever it's called. Um, I was having a tough time with it, too, because it's a true slash false. I know. I was just like, wait, is it just true false or is it true or false or true slash false film fest? And pardon the language, but it's a movie called Field Niggas mm. from Kalik Allah. It's uh, kind of, of like this, a, yeah. it's like an experimental documentary type thing going on here. Well, apparently he's a, I guess he's a photographer. And mm. for one summer, he just kept going down to the corner of 125th Street and Lexington Avenue in Harlem. And just filming, filming the locals and interviewing them and just letting them have conversations. They talked about whatever, just dreams. You know, a couple of people are just rapping. The other people are talking about, uh, apparently there's, at which I didn't know about this, uh, something called K2 is apparently like uh, incense that you smoke, mm. which there's... Sounds like- yeah, and there's yeah, it like, sounds no, like some of that synthetic. Yeah, and there's like no regulations stuff. on it, so they're out. Yeah. they're out on the street smoking K two, but there's no laws. But the police are still cracking down and busting people every night. So there's a lot of discussion about that. That takes up hell. That takes up a good portion of the film. It's just talking about K two, and you know how can the police do this when there's actually no laws against it? It's not illegal whatsoever, but yet they're still busting people and hauling them off, and uh, it's. So the the visual aspects of it is his HD camera work in slow motion of just these just genuine, uh, really artistic portraitures almost of these just the local flavor of this corner in Harlem. And it's in slow motion. And then the audio doesn't match up with the people that you're seeing. But the audio is just, you know, the conversations that he had, the interviews people talking about k2 people rapping people talking about you know raising kids and how it used to be in the 80s and just a number of things it's just this huge snapshot of just this little tiny corner of the world and the people that really my guess is never had a voice whatsoever and then he gives them one and Hmm. it's very interesting it at times it's it's mesmerizing and then Sounds I, like it's right up my alley. Yeah, at other times it kind of drags a little bit. You know, you're talking so many, di- you're talking to so many different people and so many different subjects. Of course, some are going to be more interesting than others, and there's going to be parts that drag. But it just it looks fantastic, and it's just it, it's an insight to something that I've never seen before. You know, people that don't have a voice. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, how how did you watch this? I watched this on. Uh, the the funny thing is, is 
this first popped up. I came across this on Vimeo. And yeah, it's on Vimeo it's... for free. And then when I finally got around, like, I'm going to watch that. I'm going to finally sit down and watch it. Then it became password protected because I guess it got into the film festivals. And you haven't been able to see it since. So I saw a festival screener is what I saw. Okay. But okay. for a while there, you could see it. But unfortunately, not anymore. But as soon as you were able to, I would check that one out. And uh, keeping with the New York theme, seem to have a New York theme going on here all of a sudden. Uh-oh. I saw a movie called Straight Out of Tompkins. This came out earlier this year. Uh, now, this is th- the only reason I saw this is because it takes place very close to where I live. I live a block away from Tompkins Square Park, and that's where this movie gets its name. It takes place in the Lower East Side. It's actually uh, a little bit lower in Manhattan than where I'm at, but still very close. Uh, it's directed by Zephyr Benson. And it's about a, a guy, a, a teenager, he's 17, still in high school, and he ends up getting involved with drug dealing, and it's, it's one of these rags-to-riches-to-rags story mm-hmm. uh, about a kid that gets involved in drug dealing, and then he makes all this money, and then he loses it, and then he hits rock bottom, and he becomes addicted to heroin, and it is, uh, it's very cliche, by the numbers it's just it's not good they use it's like they they try to employ all these different s- techniques like the beginning of the movie when they're introducing the characters and there's like four characters in this movie they do like the whole they do the whole guy Ritchie like whoosh, with the name yeah. the character's name below them and they do the freeze frame and they're like this is because he he narrates the whole movie in, as well oh that's character. yeah that sounds great so he's like, this is my best friend. Oh, we grew up God. together. Oh, you know, like that, that type of thing. Oh, God. And then, but that's the beginning of the movie. Later on in the movie, they introduce new characters, but they don't do the whole freeze frame name drop thing. Yeah. They don't do that. So it's like they just abandon that idea. And then the narration, just awful. They didn't abandon that. <laughs> they stuck with they that. They stuck with, oh, God. <laughs> they stuck with that till almost the end. Why? Why? Um, do, why do people use this? Why do they still employ this? And it, it's it, it had such a bizarre tone throughout the whole movie because it was kind of they were making jokes and trying to keep things light and fun, but then he becomes a heroin addict and it gets very dark. People start dying and getting murdered, and it's like this isn't funny anymore. Why, why are you still trying to make this funny? Because this is not working. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this one did not work for me. I cannot recommend it. Like I said, I only gave it a, a, I heard bad things about it when it came out like a month ago. You should have just, you should have just stuck with Tompkins Square Park, the, the stand-up special from the nineties. Yeah, there you go. That's what you should have watched instead. Or I should have just went to Tompkins Square Park and took a nice jog. There you go. You could do that. (laughs) That's probably what I should have done. Uh, and, and the, the thing is Tompkins Square Park's in it for, they're in it for like maybe one scene, one scene at the beginning, one scene towards the end. <laughs> see, you don't even get to see the park. Just, really. just so they can use it in the title is my guess. Yeah. Just to make it a clever title. We'll, we'll, bu- we'll bookend it with the park. That way yeah, we I can mean, use the title. I guess he lives in the Lower East Side, but, and oh, another thing that I hated, I hated was the beginning of this movie. The whole beginning narration is all about New York. 
and he's just saying how, oh, you think you're a New Yorker, and you think you know New York, but you don't know it. You don't know New York, and New York doesn't care about you, and it's living and breathing, and once you're gone, New York's going to find 12 people to replace you, and like this whole diatribe about real New Yorkers and blah, 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 and it's just like, come on, get off of it. <laughs> it was just I don't know. It just it that rubbed me the wrong way and eh, eh, can't can't recommend that. Straight can't, out of Tompkins. Can't, nope, get, can't nope. get into it. Right. It's better than Kid Cannabis. Which I'll say that. Yeah, what what the hell does that mean? I hated it. Kid Cannabis was Yeah, you're worst. just talking about two different kinds of shit. They're both shit though. You know what I mean? Like one's one's a runny shit and the other one's right, like but, a semi solid shit. But if I'm talking to somebody who likes these kind of movies, like Ryan, for instance, for some reason, he always eats these movies up. If I were to tell him, if he saw Kid Cannabis and he kind of liked it, you would, I'd be like, well, like, check yeah. this one out. Maybe you should check out Straight Outta Tompkins. Uh, it's better than Kid Cannabis. Gotcha. Looking back, though, I don't even know. I don't even know now if it's better or not. <laughs> it's, it's less, it's less uh, misogynistic than Kid Cannabis. That, that but, always helps. Yeah. That always helps. Nothing makes the movie worse than misogyny. Oh, yeah. Uh, I watched... Uh, this was on my resolution list for this year. A classic. Ken Russell. 1971, The Devils. Devils. Finally got around to watching this bad boy. Um, wow. This is something. I... I want to say that every single person needs to see this movie. If you're into film, you have to watch The Devils. I mean, my goodness. Based on real events. I swear to God, I, I, saw, I saw something on Twitter about this recently. It, I wonder if this... It, did this get like a new like a re-release or something or a remaster? I don't think... I mean, I did tweet that I finally watched The Devils. Maybe you read that tweet. Maybe that's... Maybe I read your tweet. But no, I, I thought that I saw, like, a picture. Perhaps. Maybe, like, Arrow was putting it out or something. Go ahead. Well, I have the... I got the uh, BFI DVD. Uh, this was banned for the longest time. And you can kind of... You can tell why. When you watch it, you can tell why. It's, uh... You got, uh... Got organized religion... And mass hysteria and demon possession within nuns. And nuns do a lot of sexual things because of their demon possession. There is a shit ton of stuff going on in The Devils. Hmm. There's so many, there's so many layers to this film. If just not, not just the organized religion, but the politics and what, you know, what the politicians and the, you know, going, going to bed with organized religion and how they're trying to take over these small these small places in France trying to take over the cities and just there's just so much going on it's you can't unload all of it and after one viewing and the main two main takeaways are Oliver Reed as the lead is remarkable performance and Derek Jarman's production design is ridiculous I mean, talk about world building. Yeah, it looks like it's it is, uh, got it is one of those gorgeous. Um, looks uh, reminiscent of uh, what's that other one? The one that you just loved that came out uh, this year. Hard to be a guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks like a less dirty version. Yeah, of that. less less dirty, uh, 
less ship. There's not as much ship, but it's still, you know, it's on that grand scale with, you know, all the extras and the choreography and the set design mm-hmm. and everything. I mean, oh my goodness. It's just they don't make them like this anymore. It's just such a cliche thing to say, but it is so true. Just to see, you know, the, the amount of work that goes into the architecture, these sets and everything, and then how nowadays where it's just like, ah, oh, we'll just CGI everything. We'll just create it on the computer. <laughs> create it on the computer. We'll create it on our, on our MacBooks or MacBook Airs or Surfaces, I guess. I don't know what people use. So you said you got this on I had to in- DVD. Yeah, I had to import this bad boy. I'm sure there's. Where did you imp- a, I'm sure there's. A where book. did you import it from? What's the Amazon UK? Am- oh, okay. I just go straight off of the Amazon UK. Yeah, because I was just looking to see if there was any way to like stream this, and I can't seem to find anything. I doubt. Maybe might be able to find it somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I just did like a cursory glance here, but there's uh, at any rate. That's the devil's. Yeah, he the Oliver Reed at the beginning of the movie gets into a sword fight with a guy, and he defends himself with a with an alligator, <laughs> which is crazy as that sounds. It works. Uh, he brings I wish... he brings an alligator to a sword fight, okay, and it works, and he wins, and he leaves, okay. But when it comes to politicians and organized religion, he brings like logic and reason, which that doesn't work out for him at all. He probably should have brought another alligator. <laughs> you sir brought an alligator to a sword fight. <laughs> oh no, the alligator's winning. <laughs> exactly, dude. You gotta fight crazy with crazy if you're gonna go up against organized religion, you know, back in the seventeenth century during the plague. You have to fight crazy with crazy. You can't fight crazy with reason and logic. Well, I'm gonna have to borrow this from you. I really wanna see this now. Yeah, this is oh my goodness. And what's your? I noticed you didn't rate it yet on Letterboxd. I did not. Gonna... I, oh, it's a ten out of ten. This is ten out of ten. This is an experience. You, you, it's just I have to watch it again. Well, just <laughs> uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm gonna follow that up with the only other one I <laughs> I saw this week called Infinity, which is not a ten out of ten. It th- this is uh, it's directed by Shane Abess, and it's an Australian science fiction horror movie. If you saw Aliens, it's that. if you saw The Thing, if you saw Event Horizon, and maybe even Sunshine, it's that. It's okay. it's pe- bits and pieces of all of those movies wrapped into one. It doesn't it doesn't fail on every level. It, it mostly works. It is an interesting concept for a movie. So basically, it's it's set in the twenty third century and. Because of uh, of how the earth is, everybody's poor, there's an economic collapse, people are encouraged to take on very dangerous jobs uh, like mining and military work that involve something called slipstreaming. Okay. And basically what slipstreaming is, is it's sort of like teleporting. It allows you to travel very long distances instantaneously. So... They have mining colonies and things set up all throughout the universe. And through this slipstreaming technique, they're able to travel to those uh, instantly. Yeah. So what happens is the the main guy named Whit Carmichael, Uh played by Daniel McPherson, he he goes on a search and rescue mission to figure out what's going on with this mining crew 
that uh, was or no no I'm sorry let me let me take that back a little bit a mining uh, a search uh, team goes to find to figure out what's going on with this mining crew they lost contact with them something's wrong <sighs> and they come back and they're like infected with something and they end up contaminating the base that they're on no, and in an attempt to get off the base without being killed this guy Whit Carmichael uses his slipstream controller thing and he ends up on the base that they came from and another team at another base is sent in to rescue him and to stop this uh, payload that has this biological component on it uh, from getting off the base (laughs) (laughs) I gotta say dude you just you sound do I sound like Ryan? No, you just a little bit, but you also sound like you just you don't want to talk about this movie. You're just I mean, like this... you're just you're just struggling to get through it. Like I just I don't want to remember anything about this movie. Well, this the setup is pretty interesting, and the movie starts off quite good. It, it feels like Alien, where there's a team of Marines and they're going in and they're exploring and they're finding all these dead bodies and this weird stuff, and you don't really know what's going on. Uh, but it just kind of falls apart from there after you discover that the biological thing that's infecting people, it sort of turns into the thing at that point. Like, the, it infects the people and they go crazy. Okay. And it just it just goes on from there. The only problem is, and this is a mild spoiler, the entire rescue team gets killed off, <laughs> like, right away. So you don't have that alien vibe where they're getting picked off one by one. They're just all pretty much wiped out right off the bat. And so there's not a lot of tension going on. And the rest of the movie, a lot of the movie, is just this guy, Carmichael, having conversations with the infected people that don't immediately try to kill him. Okay. And these conversations are very long and very... Uh, like contemplative, like they talk about life and all this, these the big heady subjects, but it's just like, I don't know you. You They didn't take any time to establish any of these characters. They're just random grunts, you yeah. know? So there's there's just very little to latch onto there. I mean, they developed the main guy a little bit. Like they let us know that he has a pregnant wife and he's trying to get home and he's trying to provide for his family, but that's really all we know about him too. Uh, I thought that the the final act of the movie, the way that they wrapped everything up, that, that mostly worked. It was that was pretty good too. So I would say the first and the last act are okay. The middle bit is not very interesting at all. Mm. Visually, it's alien. It's got you know dark corridors, various uh, space uh, outpost things that are strewn about everywhere and. Everything looks kind of creepy and dark. I will say that they did a lot for a little. I mean, this was a low-budget indie effort, and it looks pretty good for that. I mean, the production design is top-notch. The the costumes look really good, like their suits and stuff and the weapons. Uh, So I I would say it's it's not entirely uh, a failure or anything like that, but it's just middle of the road for me. I gave it a five out of 10. I have a full review up on the site. Uh, and that's playing on video on demand and in select cities right now. So again, infinity, 
Very light. Mm. Very light recommend. Only, I would say only if you really love these kind of sci-fi horror movies. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know, I know, you, don't. <laughs> I know you don't. We talked earlier in the week and I was like, nah, that's not one for you. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and talk about some predictions. Uh, last week, what did we do? What did we predict last week? Hot Pursuit. That was the only one. You said 22, I said 26. Actual six. <sighs> yeah, apparently that one is just a total bomb. Yeah. Critics hated it, and it, it made no money. Uh, the Avengers, I think, destroyed it at the box office. It did look terrible. You have to admit. Mm-hmm. It looked awful. Yeah, it looks awful. Uh, next week, we got a much better week next week. We got Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, boy. This is a big daddy. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to go with a... I'm going to go with an 88. 88, you say? 88. I'm going to say 96 on this one. Oh, my goodness. I'm predicting, big, I'm predicting big things for this movie. Damn, I insider mean, just, information. I saw all the trailers, and I stopped watching after, I think, the second trailer. They released, like, three or four trailers for this. And um, I just I freak out every time I see it. Every time. I just I lose my shit over this movie. I'm so excited. I'm so amped up for this. I can't wait. Cannot wait to see this. Pitch Perfect 2 also comes out next week. And I anticipate that that's going to do very well also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't... This is uh, directed by Elizabeth Banks. And it's a directorial debut from her. So I don't know if that's a, a, a good thing or possibly could be a bad thing. I will say... I know that the first one got really high scores from critics... Something tells me that this one's not going to be as highly rated, but I think it's still going to be pretty good. So I'll say uh, 72. Mm, I'm going to go with a... I'm going to go 70. Okay. In limited release next week, we have Good Kill. That's the Andrew Nickel. Is it Nickel or Nichols? can't remember. I have no idea. The guy that did uh, Gattaca and Lord of War. Uh, that's... His next one with uh, Ethan Hawke. Uh, that that one's not very good, so I think that's hitting VOD as well. I'll see you in my dreams. Uh, animals. I had the opportunity to see Animals on several occasions. I went to a couple different festivals where that was playing, and it, it, uh, it eluded me. Plus, it looks like a big downer of a movie. But I know you're into it. Well, you know. I like, I like my downers. I'll probably see it. I like my downers. Uh, Echoes of War, Every Secret Thing, and Slow West. I'm interested in Slow West. I heard it was slow. Ha! Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a joke, but it's legit. Like I heard it was, <laughs> I heard it was very, very slow movie. It, it's funny the trailer, the trailer makes it look like it's kind of a a light, fun. Maybe Coen Brothers esque Western. Yeah. But apparently it's not like that at all. Like, it's not funny. There's no comedy in it. Apparently the trailer's very misleading. Gotcha. But I'm still going to, I'm still going to seek it out. VOD next week, we have, pull up my list here. We have The Roughnecks. This is on, on Tuesday. We have The Roughnecks and Anarchy Parlor. Anarchy Parlor is a, a horror movie that looks very similar to. Hostel, but with a tattoo shop in Lithuania. Okay. I'll check it out. Why not? <laughs> Seems so. uh, And then on Friday, we have Echoes of War, Every Secret Thing. <clears throat> what do you think of that one? Every Secret Thing. 
Every secret thing. It's the one with um, Diane, I think uh, Diane Lane. Yeah, yeah. I heard good things about her performance. Elizabeth Banks and Diane Lane. I'm interested. Dakota, Dakota fan. Yeah, I'm interested it, just to see performance. It's got a Dave. It's definitely got a Fincher vibe to it. I'm interested in that. We maybe we'll review that next week. Okay. Along with uh, <clears throat> definitely got to do Mad Max next week. So. Yes. Yes. So maybe we'll do yes. Mad Max and every secret thing yes. or animals, or even Slow West. Who knows? A lot of good stuff. Let's just uh, Slow West. Let's do Mad Max for like the next four weeks. Cool. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> uh, also on VOD, Animals, Slow West, Good Kill, Pound of Flesh, Official Absolution. Uh, okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Official, don't... official absolution. Mm-hmm. It's a Steven. It's a Steven Seagal movie. Oh, are you kidding me? Yep, Steven Seagal and Vinnie Jones. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, with with a name like Official Absolution, of course, of course, it's a Seagal movie. I just I I just typed it into the search bar. Nothing came up though. What's happening? It's, it's secret. <laughs> um. Area 51, which is the it's the director of Paranormal Activity. It's his next movie. Okay. And uh, it's, I guess this one's been gestating for like a really long time. It took him a really long time to get this one made, but it's finally coming out. It's it's found footage, which obviously is a huge turnoff for me, but it's still it looks pretty interesting. So I'm, I may check that out. Um, one called Time Lapse. Looks interesting. It's kind of like a time travel type thriller. That's kind of what I figured. Yeah. And the film critic. Right. Also on Saturday is Bessie, that HBO original movie with Queen Latifah. Oh, okay. All right. About Bessie Smith. I'm probably, I don't know, I'm not too interested in that, but it's probably good. HBO's usually got good stuff going on. Yeah, they usually bring it. I usually do bring it. Uh, just really quick. Speaking of TV, I checked out the pilot episode for that um, Wayward Pines show that's on Fox. Okay. The one that has Matt Dillon and Terrence Howard. Oh, is that the one where Lewis. he like can't leave? Yeah. Okay. And uh, Toby Jones is in there, and uh, Melissa Leo. Great cast. Uh, so far, I mean, I really like the pilot. It certainly feels a lot like Twin Peaks. And it has potential to go very, very wrong, depending on where they're going to go with it. Yeah. But just based off the pilot, I was really intrigued about where this is going. Like, like he gets into this town, and he, he gets a note from a bartender, played by Juliette Lewis, who he later finds out doesn't even work there, and nobody even knows who she is. So that's spooky right off the bat. Yeah. But there's a... She gives him an address, and on the back of the address, it says, there are no crickets in Wayward Pines. And he goes outside, and he hears crickets, and he looks in the bushes, and it's like a little box playing just a cricket noise. Uh-huh. And you're just like, what? Okay. It's, it's kind of like a Stepford, feels like a Stepford Wives kind of deal mixed with, um, you know, maybe even like Truman Show, because it feels like it's this, this manufactured town. But... At any rate, I'm into it, but I'm hmm. a, I love Twin I love Twin Peaks. So anytime there's kind of a Twin Peaks ripoff show, you're just you're in. I, I'm kind of in, <laughs> into it, hmm. and I'll check it out. I'll check it out for a couple episodes, 
at least. Uh, anyway, moving on to DVD and Blu-ray. We have Black Hat. I didn't see this. Heard it was pretty bad, so... Uh, yeah, I'm hearing... Uh, it's all over the place when I'm hearing on Black Hat. I know you were interested in it. I was interested. I, it's one of the most bizarre trailers I think I've seen so far this year. Where, I think I may... Like, 80% of it, I'm like, oh my god, this looks amazing. And then all of a sudden, a shit ton of machine guns come out. And I'm just like, what the fuck happened to your movie? Yeah, I, I was more interested in the... The, the hacker political intrigue aspect of it, you know, yeah. than the action part, but I may check it out. I'm also very aware, I've said this multiple times, the digital video style that he's been using lately, I, I don't like that. Yeah. I think it looks like shit, but okay. So we have Black Hat Champs, that's the documentary about boxing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Cobbler. Certainly, oh, yeah. absolutely avoid the cobbler. Mm. Holy shit what? balls! What the drownsman? I'd avoid that. Ghoul, I'd avoid that. Mordecai, yeah, didn't yeah. see it, but heard very bad things. Avoid. Looks really bad. <laughs> Mordecai, are you just are you listing movies that are coming out, or just listing terrible movies? Uh, I think they're both. Okay. okay, this week it seems like they're both. I thought maybe I missed something. And you're just like, hey, these are terrible movies. I'm going to list them off real quick. Well, here's one that's supposedly not terrible. Still Alice. That comes out next week on okay. DVD and Blu-ray. There we go. Julianne Moore. And another bad one. We'll wind it off with this one. Tracers. Oh. Well, Tracers. Good. Let's do some tracing. It's the the one with the dude from Twilight. Uh-huh. Taylor, Taylor Lautner. Uh, tracer I, action. I'm going to guess that that's a good thing. <laughs> what if it was just a movie about Taylor Lautner tracing dinosaurs in a coloring book for an hour and a half? That would in a in a in a white empty room. I might watch that actually. <laughs> I don't know why, but I might. And every now and then you just hear a voice come on the microphone saying, "Stay within the lines. Stay within the lines, Taylor." <laughs> it's just him going. <sighs> just a heavy sigh. Just hangs his head. Drops the pencil. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, idea. I would fucking watch that actually. <laughs> more so Tracers. than most, more so than everything else you just listed. Uh, I think we have a couple Criterion's, or at least one. We have criterion one Criterion. Week. We have 1937's "Make Way for Tomorrow" from Leo McCary. Woof! The Leo Carey action. Apparently, what? Great unsung Hollywood masterpiece. So, get that. Oh, shit. Get that and Tracers. Double bill it. (laughs) (laughs) Make way for tomorrow. And Mina Adams Uh, remake of Tracers. As soon as we get that done, we just got to talk to Taylor Lautner. (laughs) See if he's up for it. Oh, God. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter, at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And please take a look at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmpulse and consider subscribing for as little as $1 per month. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson, and we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. racers oh my god i love it i love it
I want that to uh, be a thing. 